You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ladies and gentlemen, thrilled to have you here for this epic debate as this is going to be a huge one, folks. I have been excited for this one for quite a while, so this is going to be a lot of fun. It's our first time having the veganism debate and also got to let you know, it's our first time having, uh, you could say, I think this is going to be one of the... It's our first time having Cosmic Skeptic, as well as we're excited that I've seen both of these guys before. I've got to listen to them, and I can say this is going to be a very high-level discussion. I Pardon me for putting you guys on the spot, setting it up, setting the bar high for you, but I, I'm that confident it's going to be that good. So I am very excited, folks. Want to let you know, though, if it's your first time here, consider hitting that subscribe button as we've got a lot more debates coming up. In fact, we'll have Hunter Avalone and Joel Patrick on next Friday, and they'll be debating homosexuality and the Bible. So that will be a fun and controversial one, folks. And want to let you know, though, we're a nonpartisan channel, so we don't take any stances. I never kind of give my views or anything like that. Instead, we want you to know we have no stances. It's up for you in the discussion. Feel free to let your voice be heard. And also, whether you be Christian, atheist, vegan, or no matter what walk of life you're coming from, we hope you feel welcome. And with that, we're going to jump right into this, folks. I do want to let you know, as you're listening, I've put both of the links to the speakers in the description. So, so that basically, if you're listening, you're like, hmm, I like that. I want to hear more. Well, you can hear more. That's why I put those links in the description box for you. And with that, this is going to be a pretty easygoing kind of discussion where it's just going to be a flexible, you know, five to ten minute opening, whatever the speakers feel like they would usefully use in their opening kind of a basic layouts or statements. And then that open discussion, which is be, probably be about an hour of open discussion. And then we'll go into the Q&A. So if you have any questions, fire them into the old live chat. And if you put at modern day debate, if you tag me, it'll make it easier so I don't miss any of those questions. So thanks so much, folks. We're going to hand it over to Alex or Cosmic Skeptic. Thanks so much for being with us, Alex. It's a pleasure to have you. Well, thank you for having me. Um, I'm, I'm glad to be here and I'll never pass off an opportunity to debate the issue of animal rights, which to me, I should stress, is potentially the most important moral emergency that we currently face. Uh, the reason for that being 
because whilst there are many things going on in the world that deserve our moral consideration, the consensus on this issue seems so unbelievably small uh, that I feel like I have more of an obligation than on any other topic to put my name uh, out to talk about it. For instance, before we started, uh, you said, James, that you were struggling to, to find people to talk about veganism because we're such a small group, it seems. Uh, but let this not dissuade people. Every single justice movement starts as a minority, and that's how we see this. We see it as a justice movement. This isn't some kind of diet. It's not some kind of fad. We're not doing this for the environment. Uh, we're doing this. Uh, or at least if we are doing it for the environment, we don't care about the environment for its own sake. We care about it because of the effect that it will have on conscious creatures. Um, but the main reason that we do this is because we care about and think uh, that we care about non-human animals and think that they deserve our moral consideration. Veganism on the definition that I've already agreed, um, that, that we've already agreed upon is essentially the one that comes from the vegan society. It's the one that I cite most frequently, and I'm glad to see that you cited it before I got the chance to do so in our previous emails, which is that uh, veganism is the, is the attempt to minimize to the highest extent practicable the suffering and cruelty towards animals. Um, this, to me, seems such a simple proposition. And the strange thing that, that, that appears to me is that uh, you, Sterling, seem to have uh, argued, at least in, in some of the comments and the emails that we had before, that veganism is a, is a moral thing to do. It, it, it has some kind of moral value. It is a good thing to do. It's a virtuous action. And yet it's not an obligation. There are some people that I argue with who will say that animals don't deserve our moral consideration, that it's an amoral thing to do. It doesn't matter if you eat them or not. It doesn't matter if you harm them or not. Uh, and to that, it's, it's difficult to argue against. It's like, look, maybe, maybe we've just hit an impasse here. But if you at least agree that they deserve some moral consideration, that there is something good about being kind to animals and extending the moral consideration, then what we're accepting is that animals are in some sense members of our moral community. And to me, if it is true that it is morally virtuous to not harm an animal, that's because they have moral worth. And if they have moral worth, then if we have an ability to minimize their suffering then I think that we have an obligation to do so to the same extent that we would do with any other creature that can feel suffering, such as human beings. Um, I would find it difficult to argue exactly which case for veganism I'd like to put forward until I know what your views are, uh, Sterling. But it seems to me that if you're going to uh, concede that there is some moral worth within animals, then the proposition that we should be eliminating their suffering where we can do doesn't seem an unreasonable one to me. The other thing to understand is that veganism is not about meat. It's not about animal products. It's about the animals. I've already seen, um, I, I, I mean, I, I already see people in the comments saying that, that, that veganism is an amoral act because it's not about whether you eat meat. It's about where it comes from. That is in so many words what vegans are arguing about. That is exactly why the definition says and refers to animal suffering, suffering and exploitation rather than referring to meat. Okay, if you can create a system whereby you're, obtaining animal products that causes no suffering or cruelty to animals. Far from that being morally permissible, that would be a vegan thing to do. Veganism is about minimizing suffering to animals. And so if you're not causing that suffering to animals, then that's an absolutely vegan thing to do. What we're talking about here is the treatment of animals and the exploitation of animals, not about the products that result from it. Okay, and so to be a vegan, you just have to accept the proposition that we shouldn't be harming animals when we don't need to. Uh, and that to me seems so ethically obvious, right? 
especially in the worst cases that we see. I mean, in in the society that we've constructed at the moment and the way that we eat our food, we're not just talking about cows roaming around in the field and then going and being milked. We're talking about factory farming being the predominant uh, source for animal products, which means that around 95% of the animal products that are consumed in the United States come from factory farms. Now, a lot of people will say to me, look, I'm with you on the factory farming stuff. It's awful what we're doing to those animals, but veganism as a whole pushes it too far. It's like, are we really on the same side here? Do you re are you really with me on the factory farming stuff? Because if you are, that means that you need to make sure that every single time you eat an animal product, that it doesn't come from there. Um, to me, the idea that we have an obligation to end this kind of stuff seems to me ethically trivial, right? We are torturing innocent creatures in order to produce uh, food because we like the taste of their flesh, right? As I've said before, we don't justify the torture of our enemies in a human context, even when we have a good reason to do it. And yet we seem to justify torturing the most innocent members of our moral community whose only crime is to be born into the wrong species. And that's another thing that needs to be spelled out. If I'll pay you the compliment, Sterling, of, of um, assuming that you agree that natural selection is the explanation for the origin of species. Uh, and if that's the case, then we have a real trouble of an arbitrary boundary between species. We recognize if we resurrect the evolutionary tree that exists between us and our extinct cousins and the rest of the animal kingdom, the, the tree usually is, is pictured as starting at the bottom and kind of spreading out to the top. But if we, if we resurrect all of those links and have them standing in a line, you've got a problem of being able to say, where is it along that line? Whereby it goes from me saying that I have an obligation not to throw that person into a gas chamber because I like the taste of their flesh. But once you get past a certain point, maybe it's a virtuous thing to do. You know, you can do it if you fancy it. I'd rather you didn't, but it, you don't have a moral obligation to, to avoid it. This to me seems an impenetrable boundary, but I'm interesting to hear, uh, interested to hear what you have to say, Sterling. Go ahead, Sterling. Awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate James for having me on. I appreciate Alex for being on with us. And hopefully we have a fruitful discussion. Um, as stated, we will be going off of the vegan society's definition of veganism, which is a philosophy and way of living which seeks to exclude as far as possible and practicable all forms of exploitation and cruelty to animals for food, clothing, or any other purpose. In dietary terms, it denotes a practice of or dispensing sorry, with all products derived wholly or partly from animals. And I'm going to have, have three contentions, basically, that I'm going to be defending here today. Um, basically, the first one is that uh, veganism is completely arbitrary, and because it's arbitrary, it can't be a moral obligation. Um, two, all animals are not worthy of equivalent, or in some cases, any moral protection. And three, uh, veganism is ultimately a superrogatory act. It ultimately goes above and beyond, above and beyond what we have to do. Now, so the standard argument for veganism is the harm reduction argument. So it's kind of what Alex presented in his opening statement. It's that our purchasing and consumption of meat causes a disproportionate amount of suffering in the world of both humans and animals, but particularly of animals, because animals are the ones being eaten. Um, furthermore, the practices of factory farms provide a further example of cruelty done in the name of our consumption of animals, which is another harm. But the underlying problem with veganism is that it essentially is essentially that veganism is the moral baseline, and uh, they don't really give grounds for this. So. One could eat less meat, like flexitarianism. One could eat only non-factory farmed meat. Um, one could be an invasive war, which eats invasive species. Um, one could be a lacto-ovo-vegetarian. One could be a Janus vegetarian, which is lacto-vegetarianism. Um, one could be a vegan and bless they eat honey, for example. Or if you want to go even further, 
like on the reduction of harm side, you could be a full-fledged uh, freegan, you could be a locavore vegan, you could be a locavore freegan vegan, or you could uh, do a strict boycott of all animal-derived products and companies that uh, profit any way whatsoever from animal use. Um, it seems to me like there's no way to draw the line on where exactly we need to we need to reduce suffering. It seems like all of these are on a continuum of reducing suffering. Like you would you would have a lot less suffering if you ate vegan, but you were a locavore. And it seems like a lot of people who can be vegans can be locavores because of the financial need, uh, the financial requirements there. Um, given all these facts, I think it seems to me my opponent has two choices. Um, uh, he has two choices. He can show that veganism is the most harm-reducing diet that can be attained and that is required by ethics, or, my, or you would need to prove that every action of purchasing meat and dairy is morally unethical regardless of the source and that the purchase of other foodstuffs is comparably unproblematic. So it seems to me that a man who buys milk from a local farm that is raised by the farmer, it doesn't seem to me that that's unethical, not inherently at least or a man who owns chickens and gathers their eggs for food, or somebody who buys locally produced honey, for example. Like a suit, some vegans will buy locally produced honey, even though that really doesn't go with the definition of vegan. Um, and it seems even more ridiculous to suggest that a Jainist monk who only accepts food that's offered them, um, but does drink milk that would be offered to them for, by other people, is doing more harm than vegans. It doesn't seem to make any sense to me. Um, my second condition was that Clearly, all animals are not of equal moral worth. It seems like the, the creatures which are classified are animals, some of them at least, are not even sentient, let alone worthy of moral consideration whatsoever. I'm thinking of bivalves, I'm thinking of sponges, I'm thinking of insects, I'm thinking of most, most of the invertebrates. In 2012, the uh, American philosopher Gary Verner did a research, the, um, reviewed the research literature on pain in animals. And he concluded that invertebrates, aside from cephalopods, probably don't experience pain. And it seems like, but it, but you can't really say you're a vegan except for, you know, you eat bivalves, uh, crustaceans, other invertebrates. It seems like that's not really what veganism is. That doesn't fit the definition of veganism because those are animals, clearly. Um, and it, And also there's another kind of problem. It seems to me that mere sensation wouldn't be enough to grant moral responsibilities. So just because you can feel pleasure and pain doesn't really seem to mean much in the face of, or like in the absence of beliefs, desires, perception, memory, psychophysical continuance, or a sense of future. It seems like if you don't have psychophysical continuance, there's no individual to which you're harming because that person, that uh, that individual doesn't continue on that basis through time. Um, oh, um, and this is kind of the what's called being a subject of life, which is. Uh, which was proposed by American animal rights philosopher Tom Regan. And for what it's worth, Regan thinks that only mammals have those things. Um, and I would extend that to cephalopods as well. Um, and I'm not, I'm not going to be defending his particular theory. I'm just saying that that's what he thinks. Um, and he is an animal rights activist. Um, as mentioned in my position, vegan, it, veganism is ultimately a super regulatory action. It's ultimately above and beyond what you need. I often hear uh, Cosmic Tefted say, if we, we can reduce so much stuff suffering by not having a steak at dinner. And so why shouldn't we do it? But there's a kind of a problem with that. They're putting aside the issue that it's not just one steak. It's all animal products, regardless of circumstance, without any regard for utility, price, or pleasure for the rest of your life. Or, um, but there's like the, this further issue. 
like of why wouldn't you, for example, Kazakh skeptic, donate all the money that you don't need to survive or keep your job to charities, like pretty much all the money you have, except for what you barely minimum for to survive. It seems like if we have to reduce the amount of suffering, and Peter Singer makes this argument. Um, he makes this argument. He says that if the 10 richest people in the world were to donate almost all of their money to charity, we could reduce so much suffering, so much so that that would be a moral obligation. And it seems to me that that would be an even further moral obligation for, for that because there's a direct link between you donating to charity and you saving however many lives. Let's say we could guarantee like a certain amount of lives. It seems like that would be a stronger moral obligation because we know they would save lives. While this kind of purchasing of meat, it does reduce the demand, but each individual action doesn't necessarily, because, and even then, there's not really a case for saying there is any individual action. It's just that it doesn't necessarily make one animal die for each time you purchase a steak, for example. There's like a, a shared moral culpability, but it's a very small amount of moral culpability. So it seems like you would have a greater obligation to, if we follow this kind of framework to give all your money away to charity or almost all of your money, all the money you need not to live. We, uh... um, and okay, I think I think we're good from just to, as we have a lot to unpack already, and we can if, you, if we eventually we get to them, we could uh, add more on. But just oh no, that's fine. That's that was that was my whole case. Okay, gotcha. Thanks so much, and so uh, we'll jump right into the open discussion. Thanks very much, guys. All right. Well, look, I mean, we can we can take these one by one if you like. Um, sure. Yeah, that sounds like fun. The idea. Well, actually, well, I... maybe we should start in in reverse because the 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 last points you made were smaller and less less broad than the than the first about the arbitrariness. For example, the issue of charity. Um, I remember reading the life you can save, and I think that everybody should read it. Um, Peter Singer makes a far more compelling case for the elimination of unnecessary suffering than someone like Tom Reagan, who I think uh, the case for animal rights is not a particularly strong defense of of what it claims to be defending. Um, on the issue of charity. <clears throat> I was, also I can't, one second, I just want to disagree with that. I think that Regan has a much more, um, he has a broader understanding of the differences between types of animals. And I think a subject of a life is a definite, is a more strong version. I'm just going to say that, like, because you have this deep analysis of what it would take, because I don't think that sensation's enough. Well, you know, but besides what we think of these thinkers, um, Peter Singer also points out, as well as pointing out, uh, as you say, that if billionaires gave their money to charity, we'd be solving global poverty. Uh, he also points out that if everybody paid their fair share and sort of saw it as a moral taxation, then what would be required of us? What would be required of us if everybody was was uh, abiding by, let's say we were trying to construct a moral code by which everybody was to live by. Uh, if we construct one on charity, then perhaps people would give away maybe 5 to 10% of their income, something like that's charity, and global poverty is eliminated, right, to our best estimates. Uh, that's the argument, right? To do your fair share, that's how much you have to give away. Now, how much how much is your fair share when it comes to the the torture of animals let's say well your fair share is doing absolutely nothing none of that taking part in none of it right if one animal is tortured that's a moral abomination so the, the issues aren't comparable directly because with charity aren't you, if you aren't you making an assumption there i mean like it seems like you like we i haven't conceded that we, we haven't like talked about you know what qualifies as um what would i don't think like for example there'd be such a thing as torturing an ant so i wouldn't like you see what I mean? Like, so you mean a pig, for example, or like... Right, a, sure, yeah, pick, pick whichever okay. animal you okay, like. Cool. We can talk about okay. that in a second, because um, the idea that because something is an animal, it therefore must be included in the in the definition of veganism is to misunderstand what the definition of veganism is, which is about the suffering of animals. So if an animal can't suffer, then 
it wouldn't be included in the definition. But we'll get onto that in a moment. Look, okay. um, the point about charity is to say you're trying to kind of draw what might be seen as a reductio ad absurdum. It's kind of like if you're going to accept this logic, then shouldn't you be giving away everything you own to charity? As I just said, that's not actually what the argument, what the the end of the argument is. Secondly, okay. uh, this isn't this isn't as clear cut. Uh, in a moment, uh, okay. this isn't this okay. isn't as clear. This isn't as clear cut. For instance, yes, I could go and sell my camera equipment, let's say, right, which you may, which, and I could give that money to charity, and that may save some lives. But by buying that camera equipment, by paying my rent, I'm able to make videos, which allow me to make more money to then donate to charity, um, which I do regularly. I mean, I, I, for instance, by spending money on camera equipment and becoming a vegan advocate. I was able to start a merchandise store from which we sell T-shirts, uh, of of which all of the profits are donated to charity. So we've probably actually done more good for the world uh, by not selling those products. It's not as straightforward as the issue of am I ob am I obligated to re to refuse to pay somebody to harm an animal to torture a sentient creature so that I can eat its flesh? That to me is a, is a completely different question with a completely different answer but even if i were to just grant it to you and say yes okay fine let me just agree with you uh, i'm i'm being a hypocrite and i should be selling everything that i own to charity that would just be nothing more than a two quack way fallacy that would just be to say look why aren't you doing this i might be like fair enough yeah I'm, I'm a hypocrite but that doesn't change the argument in any way now i don't think i'm being a hypocrite because i don't think the argument is the same but even if it is it in no way affects the argument for the obligation of veganism it just informs us about what the what the rest of our obligations are um, I don't know if you have anything to say on that. I do. Okay, so on there are several points where um, I think you go wrong. One, um, yeah, it's true that Peterson uses that to argue like for a essentially a fair share type of situation. But the fact is, in the moment now, moral mm. moral obligations are about what's happening now, and that means that those top ten people do have that requirement because we're not all paying our fair share, supposedly. At least that's what Peter Singer says. Um, and so they do have that requirement now. They have that moral obligation to give away nearly all their money to eliminate global, global poverty because that would reduce so much harm, way more harm than anything else. Um, you didn't really address the fact that, I mean, that there's a clear more uh, there's a clear link between donating to charity more so than like not having one animal product or something like that. Like there's like something that is more real about that. So it is a, a higher obligation because you can directly link the action with saving one person. Like for example, what, talking why about is like you said. Real? Because it's act, because you act so there's a shared moral culpability with eating meat, right? You pur you purchase one steak, but that doesn't kill one animal. Like eventually, so like let's say that a hundred people purchase steak, right? And mm -hmm. so that the person at the who works at the grocery store orders more product, which in turn makes somebody kill a, a cow, a factory farm, or kill one more cow or something. That's a shared moral culpability. While when you donate to charity, you have this one to one. Uh, correspondence between your action and saving one child at least if we're talking about like one of these that say save 50, here for fifty dollars you get to save one child's life something like that have you uh now, have, one have you... can i uh, can i finish the point first of course okay so for the for charity um the other problem i think with the argument is that i agreed i in my opening statement i said that enough money for you to keep your job which you have a job this is your job so you need that camera equipment clearly Mm. And for you to live. I'm not saying donate all your money. I'm saying anything that doesn't help you accomplish ends. Like comp so like anything frivolous, as it were. Things that you don't right. need to, to further reduce suffering. And I'm not and then on your two quay problem. What I'm arguing is that there's a distinction between things you have to do and things that 
that are kind of that would go above and beyond like that would and that my my position is that donating all your money to charity like all that you don't need for your job you don't need to um to live is a super negatory action it's something that you could do but it goes above and beyond what you are required to do and that that's my position on that sure have you have you read the life you can save by peterson i have he i have escape? i thought it was a good argument then, but i don't then, i don't i'm not a utilitarian and you may remember the point that he made very similar to yours when you say that there seems to be a one-to-one -one correspondence with charity that that's simply not the case um if you yes you, you can donate a certain amount of money and that will buy a certain number of mosquito nets but there's no way to predict which mosquito nets will save people from actually being harmed so it is still a pooled effort you still have a lot of people buying x number of mosquito nets which statistically will save maybe one child it's the same thing going on the statistical amount is far greater for one i mean you could so that so, for example, if the $50 shows in their statistics to save one child, that amount is directly related to saving that one child. But you don't really have that. You have like this one in 36 amount. Like, for example, I'm just trying to do an arbitrary number. We're saying, I'm saying there's like a one in 36 chance or something that your purchase, that, that or sorry, your share of the moral culpability rather than you having all of the responsibility for saving that one child. So every person that donates one of those $50 Let's say, because we're trying to square up the mm -hmm. circle here. Um, what person that donates the $50 has that direct correlation to saving the one child. But we have like this one in 36 because like each animal product is a different, it's like, like I said, it's, it's all, it comes into this long chain of things that could happen that might happen involving literally thousands of people rather than just your one purchase. Like there's one point of purchase versus literally way 36 different people buying animal products or something like that that share in this culpability so I, I, think, I think that there's a clear distinct difference i don't see how you could get around that perhaps you underestimate how much animal products 50 pounds or 50 dollars can buy you i'm not i'm not sure uh if you understand the direct correlation that you can have if there are websites you can go to which if you type in how long you've been a vegan for it will tell you exactly statistically how many animals you've saved how many gallons of water you've saved, your environmental impact, because that's another thing to take into account, right? Is uh, that it's not just about the effect of, of not buying the product because of the animal that was directly harmed and tortured to get the food on your plate, but also the environmental effect of your choices, which of course the first victims of environmental catastrophe will be non-human animals. You've got to take a lot more into consideration than I think uh, perhaps you are, but even if I'm willing to grant you this and say that yes, um, you know, uh, saving a certain amount of people is is better or more or more direct somehow than you know refusing to pay for people to put pigs into gas chambers like which i don't think is true but even if that's the case sure but that doesn't change the obligation that we have on putting pigs into gas chambers right i, I would put it this way if if i were asking you right if i said that i'm a human being let's just change out the the because if we're killing a pig for taste pleasure, right? We're talking about sensory pleasure. And so if I just switch out the sense pleasure, if I say that I'm doing it for my hearing, right? I really like the sound that a pig makes when I put it in a gas chamber. I really like the way that it squeals, right? Um, and I'm about to pay somebody to lower a pig into a gas chamber and film it for me so that I can listen to the squeals, right? Would you say that I have an obligation not to do that? I don't see how that relates to veganism directly because that's exactly what we're doing when we go into a supermarket and we pay money across the counter, economically demanding the pig be put into a gas chamber. I disagree. Um, so there's- I mean, no, but that is what's happening. 
that is what you do when you when you put the money across the counter like a so are we actually going to move into a different one of the arguments i think we're talking about now into more like number two we sure can but uh, i you know this, this, this is like this, this is, is not of... a this isn't an interview it's a it's a it's a debate i think and so in that case sure. i think that you should respond to my argument too which is this if you go into a supermarket and you pay money for a piece of bacon right that that piece of bacon will have come from a factory farm if you got it from a supermarket and what that means is that you are economically demanding that a pig be put into a gas chamber or i, I shouldn't speak for you i mean in the united kingdom 25 percent of pigs are stunned so to speak and killed by lowering them into a pool of co2 um, they're lowered in pairs in a metal crate which acidifies the liquid in their eyes and their mouths and causes them to spend the last 30 seconds of their lives choking on carbon dioxide and desperately trying to escape now that's what happens right that's what happens when i pay for a bit of bacon right that's where it comes right. from that's what so, but, wait a minute okay so where you're trying but the problem is is that again so one the moral culpability is spread out again it's not one piece of bacon equals one pig dying in a gas chamber for one like that's it, not how it works why, why are these why are these pigs being loaded into gas chambers why does it okay. happen so and again so when we're talking about this this makes a lot of assumptions right like if I were to what, tell what you, assumptions am I what, making? I'm just telling. I'm just making, telling you what happened. You're making assumptions that I think, for one, that pigs are equivalent to any other type of animal. Like that, I believe that we should be killing pigs rather than. I mean, I think that it would be perfectly. I don't okay remember saying to that. kill fish or something like that. But you used the example of pigs. So I did. again, and and I did present actually in my opening case uh, for the subject of a life hypothesis, which pigs would be an example of that. So I so can you use a different example from? That wouldn't be a subject of a life because I think they'd be perfectly okay for that if they weren't yeah, actual, if they weren't like something that had so if something doesn't have beliefs, desires, perceptions, psychophysical continuance. Yeah, I think that'd be fine. Right, but the thing is, you, you're misunderstanding because if and veganism also it is, makes the assumption that you purchase it from a factory farm too. I'm sorry, I should have said that. No, I said I said you purchased it from a okay, but I, I I said that you I said that you purchased it from a supermarket. This is what I okay. specified. Yeah. I, also, I also made no comparison to any other animals. You can value any animals on whichever scale you like but here i'm talking about pigs because what i'm saying is this if the definition of veganism is about the minimization of suffering and exploitation if you take an animal which is incapable of being exploited because it doesn't have the qualities that you that you think are necessary for an animal to be exploited then they wouldn't fall under the definition of veganism okay right? they'd be so an that, animal but they wouldn't be suffering so that wouldn't matter what i'm asking you is this well, in at least the some definition of veganism again it just says it does not say anything about whether the animals are fish or whether the animals are Okay. It sure, says sure. a philosophy and a way of living which seeks to exclude as far as is possible and practicable all forms of exploitation of and cruelty to animals for yada yada yada, right? Which means exploitation of and cruelty to. If you have an animal which is not capable of, of experiencing cruelty and exploitation, then you can do whatever you like to it and it's still vegan because to be a vegan is to eliminate the exploitation and the cruelty, not just to eliminate the use of animals in some vague aspect. That, that's the definition of veganism. So I'd, I'd still like to hear an answer to my question, which is this. Even if all this commits you to is that in some cases there is a moral obligation. If you go to a supermarket and you pay that money, right, I believe that I have an obligation not to do so because when I pay for that to happen, I am economically demanding. I'm even if even to even to use your terms, I'm contributing to an economic demand for a pig to be lowered into a gas chamber. And what I'm saying is if I did the exact same thing, 
the pig was being lowered into the gas chamber because I like the way it sounded instead of me liking the way it tastes, that it would be uncontroversially true that I have an obligation not to do so, that you think me a moral monster if I thought in any way I had the right to demand a pig to be lowered into a gas chamber because I liked the way that it sounded. And yet that is exactly what we do. That is exactly what we do when we go into a supermarket and we hand some dollars across to the cashier to give us some bacon. And I'm asking you, do you think it is an obligation to not torture a pig for sensory pleasure, or do you not? Okay, so a pig, yes, I would agree um, that you couldn't, that you shouldn't torture pigs for sensory pleasure. And that's um, an obligation? Yeah, I think that's an obligation to not okay. torture pigs for sensory pleasure. But again, well, thanks for coming, I'm gonna go, and gentlemen. I'm going to go, I'm going to, well, no, because I'm not going to concede that, for one, all killing of animals is torturing for sensory pleasure. I'm not going to concede that, uh, that all products have to be produced that way. I'm not gonna, I don't think that even killing certain animals would be wrong for sensory pleasure necessarily. Yeah, me neither. Um, um, and then a philosophy or a way of living. So this is just the problem. You're trying to squirm out of the definition, but no vegans eat fish. Uh, nobody would consider you a vegan if you ate fish. No, and, I'm doing no squirming. Oh, I, and so this is kind of the swerve you're trying to do. So I don't think that fish, you, I don't think that fish are a subject of a life. And so I don't agree with the definition of veganism, but no reasonable vegan would say, well, if you eat fish and uh, you, that means that you're still, you can still call yourself a vegan if you don't consider them a subject of a life. Nobody would say no. that. That's a silly argument. No, look, it, 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 you're misunderstanding. Uh, we, the, I don't think that they your, your disagreement is not with veganism. Your disagreement is with the definition of the terms used in the definition of veganism. For instance, if we were arguing about the exploitation of humans, if I said we had an obligation not to exploit humans, and for some reason I thought that black people were exempt, I was a racist, and I said that I'm allowed to exploit, I'm allowed to exploit black people. And you said, well, hold on. Look, Alex, do you agree that we shouldn't be exploiting humans? And I said, yes, I just don't consider them to be humans. It's like, I'm not disagreeing with the principle there that it's wrong to, to exploit humans. I've just got it wrong when I say that black people are not humans, right? Even if, even if I'm wrong about that, right? I don't disagree with the principle that it's wrong to exploit humans. I've just misunderstood what it means to be a human. In the same respect, if you say something like, well, look, I think it's, it's wrong. We have a moral obligation not to harm certain animals, but I think that other animals don't fall under that category because of X and Y reason. It's like, you're not disagreeing with the definition that it's wrong to exploit animals. You just don't think these animals are being exploited because they're not subjects of life. You still agree with the proposition that if they did fall under that category, that it would be wrong to exploit them. And that's all veganism is. Veganism is the proposition that if an animal can be exploited, if it is the kind of animal which is subject to that experience, which, of which it's capable uh, of exploiting and suffering and, and uh, committing cruelty against, that we should not do so. And, and okay. that's what you're agreeing with. That is just the definition of veganism. Okay, so that I completely disagree with that. I think that's one of the silliest arguments I've ever heard in terms of you can't say that you're a vegan. It, in dietary terms, it denotes a practice with dispersed, uh, dispensing with all products derived wholly or partly from animals. I think fish are animals. I think, that, I think that birds are animals. I just don't think they're a subject of a life. So I think that it would be, a, that I think that we would be allowed to eat them, right? So, well, well, look, okay. I mean, who, who's, okay, who's doing second, now? I'm still, that's, I'm that's... still explaining. I'm still explaining. Okay, so that's what I think. Now, nobody, no reasonable person would say, yes, a vegan can eat fish and birds. When we talk about dietary terms, that's just what vegan means. I mean, it literally says it in the definition. I thought we were so talking about think, the ethical definition. So, and I'm agreeing, and I'm saying that these things are animals, and that 
that part of the definition, at least this is what the vegan society says. And I don't see, and I've never met a vegan who would say that eating fish <clears throat> and birds, you can still call yourself a vegan. It seems like that's completely insane. Um, but do you, so do you just, are you just granting the second well, premise? I mean, you're, the second you're welcome. contention though? I'm asking. I'm you're just asking you're welcome you to that for... opinion. You're welcome to that opinion if you like. I remember, I, I hope the audience will at least remember when I began with the throat clearing in my opening statement that the veganism I'm advocating here is not a dietary veganism, right? I agree with you that the, the definition of being a dietary vegan is just to not eat animal products, but people might be doing that for health reasons. They might be doing that for environmental reasons. They might be doing that for any reason under the sun, but I'm not interested in that. What I'm interested in is the exploitation of animals. I'm talking about the ethical definition of veganism, which is about the elimination and minimization of cruelty to animals. And so if you want to switch to the dietary definition, then you go ahead, but we won't be in disagreement. That there are, of course, there are animal products which I think it's ethical to eat. Absolutely, me, because I don't care about the fact that it's an animal product. I care about where it came from. Right. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Sure. What if I said I was a vegan, but all animals except for cows are not part of that definition? Like, there's no exploitation of anything except for cows. Would I still be a vegan? Uh, I would think that you were wrong, but I think that you, like, you you would still be agreeing with the vegan <laughs> principle. I, I mean, I, all we can do is disagree about definitions here then, because I think that in order to be an ethical vegan, you have to believe that animals in general, like even, I mean, I, I, just, I just don't see how you can say that, uh, or what about humans? Yeah, let me, let me go to that too. What if it was just humans? Like that's the only type of animal that I think that you can use and exploit. Would you still be a vegan? But well, I, I think you're just like a few, like, like, uh, sorry, I, let me, yeah, okay, go ahead, sorry. Right, because the thing is, if we understand veganism to mean the same thing, which we apparently do, or, or did at least up until you started talking about diet, that it's about the elimination of suffering and exploitation, then the reason that you would give for excluding uh, certain animals from, from that consideration would be because they can't be exploited and they cannot uh, experience cruelty. So you might say, for example, I don't, you, you might take the, day, the, the, the route of Descartes or someone like C.S. Lewis. You might say that animals can't feel pain, right? And so, yes, I'm, I agree with the principle of veganism that we should eliminate suffering uh, of animals, but you might say, as C.S. Lewis did, that because other animals can't suffer, that I therefore don't have an obligation not to kill a pig, right? It's like, okay, the problem there is not one of veganism, because you're agreeing with the principle, the moral principle, that we should eliminate suffering where, where we can, right? The, the problem there is that you, you just mischaracterize what can and can't feel pain, it seems to me, right? Okay. That, that's not a problem with veganism, that's a problem with your understanding of animals and okay. their nature. I, I'm gonna, so what I'm gonna say is this, you're you're essentially casting negative utilitarianism as ethical veganism, essentially. Like well, if somebody I, I, I agrees see, with the yes. principle of, of negative utilitarianism, they are like, that's, that's just what it means to be a vegan. That seems like what you're saying. Well, I think they're committed to being a vegan. Yes. Yeah. So veganism no, is well, a natural I'm saying that they, should, they seem equivalent because if you just agree with any type of suffering that's morally relevant, that's equivalent to saying that uh, all forms of exploitation and cruelty to animals for food. It's just that you're saying that those terms are so flexible that they can mean almost anything. And if they can mean almost anything, like animal can mean almost anything, um, then it's just equivalent. It's just like, it's, it's a literal tautology, or not tautology, but they just they're just the same statement. Ultimately, it's like, it's a way of living which seeks to include as far as practical and possible all forms of exploitation. You could start, you could stop there because all moral... Uh, all moral agents are, you know, included in those forms of exploitation. They're, they're assumed by there even being such a thing as exploitation. 
in so many words what I'm saying. Look, if yeah. if you so, agree I mean, with what is what extra work is and cruelty to animals doing? What if you kind of agree extra with the definitional work is it doing? Well, um, I think that most people interpret animals in that definition to mean non-human animals, but um, that's up to you if you want to interpret that way or not. Uh, if you do, then we have a useful definition, which essentially is that it, it would be similar to being an advocate for, for women's rights, not meaning that you don't care about men's rights, but just that you're talking about women's rights in this particular context. In the same way, I could say that we're talking about the elimination of the exploitation of non-human animals. Um, but that is just a derivative of a broader philosophy that also applies to humans. You say, look, um, if you're just saying, uh, it, it's like you're criticizing me somehow for, for saying something akin to, well, it, it seems, Alex, that you're just saying that therefore we should just like not exploit any being that has sentient capacity. It's like, yeah, that's, that's exactly my argument. The point is this, it's, it's one of consistency. If you believe there's such thing as moral obligation towards human beings, then you're going to have to name the, the, the reason or, or, the, or the justification, but not affording that to other animals, which can also experience suffering and cruelty, right? That's exactly what I'm saying. So if you turn around and say, look, your, your argument just says that, that we should be eliminating all exploitation it's just negative utilitarianism it's like yeah okay but that's not equivalent to ethical veganism and i think that we i think we're just at an impasse here I, that's not what i define as uh, i don't think that that's what the definition that the vegan society would agree with i don't think that that's what most vegans use in their daily life to mean veganism but well, I, we just have it, to disagree there and, and i think that we should i, I don't, I don't think we do then, to, I don't think we do need to disagree. Let me, let me just ask you this. Let's, let's take the definition at face value. Let's say that the definition of veganism, it, it means to be an ethical veganism. You have to say that if an animal can be exploited and can experience cruelty, we have an obligation not to inflict it upon them. Do you agree with that statement? So do I agree with it morally or do I agree that that would be a definition of veganism? Do you agree with that as a moral obligation, regardless of whether you think it's a good definition of veganism? So ju just that they just feel pain and sensation? No, if, an animal is, if an animal is capable of experiencing cruelty and exploitation, we have a moral obligation not to inflict it upon them. Do you agree with that? I think exploitation is kind of vague. Can you expand that out a little bit? Okay, fine. Um, how about if, if an animal is, is capable of experiencing cruelty or suffering, let's say. If an animal is capable of experiencing suffering, we have a moral obligation not to inflict it upon it without good reason. Okay. Um, no. I don't think that suffering think is enough. I don't think that, well, I don't think that pain is enough or suffering is enough, right? That's what my second contention is going to be. Okay. So what, what else is needed? Let's move on. So we're going to, are you doing like the kind of the name, the trait type of argument then? Well, that's not what I was doing there, but we can. Oh, do that well, that's what like. I thought you were. That's what I thought you were doing. Sorry, we we, we can do that if you like. That's fine because I'd be interested to hear what your trait is. Um, um, what you think the, what do you think the trait actually is that makes a difference? Uh, I think that, that that pretty neatly, like, scoots into the second premise, right? I mean, the second argument, the second contention. Um, like, that I think that not all animals are worthy of equivalent, or in some cases, any moral protection. Yes, I agree. Okay. Um, so, okay. There are quite a few different traits. I think that the argument makes a lot of assumptions. Like, for one, it doesn't do any distinction between essential and accidental properties. And the original version of the argument wasn't even sound. Like, it had no identity of indiscernibles premise. Um, but even if we go with like the sound version, it still makes a lot of assumptions. So like the one I said about accidental and essential properties. Um, and I think that there are a lot of different things that make us different from animals. Like, and there are diff there's a whole scale of like, of different kinds of animals have different characteristics, which are more or less similar to us. So I'm going to give you four examples, sure. four, four traits. 
So intentionality, capacity for uh, uh, capacity for moral reasoning, rationality, and kinship. Now, kinship, okay. uh, you know, what I'm, I'm just going to explain kinship. The rest are pretty easy. But I'm sure you understand them. Um, so kinship is similar. When, when I talk about kinship, I'm talking about how a how we have more moral responsibilities to our offspring than we have to distant neighbors or you, or somebody like our distant evolutionary cousin, for example. Um, okay. So and so, believe- and I think that if you remove those traits, you no longer have a human. So those are essential traits to be human. If you don't have any kinship, you don't have any intentional intentionality, you don't have capacity for moral reasoning, you don't have rationality. I don't think you really are a human. I think that those are essential traits of being a human. So in other words, you would you would say that somebody, a human being who's severely disabled enough that they don't have those qualities is no longer human. Those things wouldn't, you wouldn't even be a human you, if you didn't have those qualities. So how would you be a human if you had no, what would it mean to be a human without intentionality, capacity for moral reason? You would just kind of look like a human. Well, you can um, say you want, you and want our to kinship, have those things. Like our kinship, because they don't originate from any human gametes. So, sure. they, so you, once, you once had those things and you're, talking, you're now in a, you once had those things and you're now in a coma. To the extent that you have none of them, are you a human being? Well, I would being? still have a, I would still have a capacity. Those, that's an accidental trait, no, no. not an essential. No, no, you're, you're, you're not, you're not waking up. It's an, it's still accidental. It's accidental to who I am. It's not what I am essentially. Sure, like, but you I did, have... I did have them. So obviously, essentially, what it means to me is have the capacity. Sorry, I, I should I, interrupt you. I apologize. No, I, I, I agree with that. It's, it's an accidental property, but it's not a potential property anymore. Because you don't have the potential for moral capacity. It's gone. It's disappeared. You're not waking I mean, up from that coma. Are you? Are you any longer human? I still would have kinship too. For one, there's not way any way you can remove kinship. Kinship just uh, means you, that you originate from human gametes because human gametes. Are, yeah, exactly. Well, that seems that seems a bizarre trait to afford moral worth from. Well, I actually did just, give you a reason. Just the fact that you originate. That. Okay, well, I gave you. I gave run you it a by reason. me again. Run it by uh, me again. So we have more moral responsibility to our offspring than to our neighbors because we share greater kinships with them. Okay, and the same is true across the animal kingdom, you know. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. I agree. But there's right. like even further, right? So, like I'm saying, so even are the, the nearest so are animal- human relative is it is almost is much further away than your neighbor. No, but I mean, so, of- so, so other animals do have that trait. Oh, yeah. Okay, oh, so, yeah. that, so, then, so then that's not a trait, because we're looking for the trait of difference, right? We're looking for the well, trait that... that distinguishes human beings from other animals to the extent that we can treat the other animals how we like. And what I'm saying is it's a spectrum, right? Animals have these traits to certain degrees. So okay. I'm saying that you, the less they have this trait, the, there comes oh, a point sure. where that they, don't have any, yeah. that they don't have any moral value at all. And okay, that's, so... that, that's what I'm saying. So I'm yeah. saying that some animals don't have any moral value because they lack these traits to such yeah. a significant degree. Yeah, that's fine. But but look, I mean, you're sa- all you're saying there is that some animals are worth more than others. I'm saying that they, yeah, m- enough that you could kill them and eat them. Yeah, definitely. Wait, but no, but that that's a whole nother jump. Because as you say, as you quite rightly point out, I, I, I care more about my family than I care about a stranger. But to say that for I sure. care about the stranger so much less that I'm able to put them in a gas chamber to eat their flesh seems a bit of a further step. I'm going to need a bit more from you to justify that kind of difference. Okay, two points. One point is that, okay, just because, so for example, if I were to tell you that last night I took a living being, I cut out its insides, and I put it into a saucepan until it made vaguely screaming sounds, right? That might disturb you. But if I told you it was a potato, it probably wouldn't disturb you very much. So let's not like, you know, I mean, we we use this kind of emotionalist language to try to get to try to prompt a reaction. But you keep strawmanning me and saying that 
that that we're using a gas chamber to kill these uh, pigs. You keep using the example of pigs, but why do, why aren't you using the example of fish? Like I think that it would be completely allowed to kill fish in almost any way that I can think of. Right, because I'm trying to get you to agree with the principle of veganism. That's what that's a separate argument from trying to get you to agree that uh, that fish should fall under the the type of animals which we think are, are capable of experiencing cruelty. That's a separate argument. I, again, I don't think that the re that negative utilitarianism is equivalent to ethical veganism. No, but look, you, you say you say something like, "Look, I think it would be ridiculous for someone to call themselves a vegan and to eat." fish and i would agree with you but not because of the definition of, of the definition of veganism but because i think fish are capable of feeling pain and are capable of experiencing cruelty uh, therefore the only thing that's kind of ridiculous about it is the attempt to exclude them from doing so it's like you could what turn around the distinction between ethical vegetarianism and ethical veganism well uh the difference is that vegetarians seem to not actually care about the exploitation of animals they care about the end result they care about whether it's meat or whether it's a product the life of a dairy cow is um, probably much worse than the life of a cow that's solely raised for meat or is killed at a young age for, for, for veal or something like that. Um, vegetarians seem to have made, a, made an, a, a genuinely arbitrary distinction between exploiting an animal for their flesh and exploiting an animal for their products. We as Maybe. ethical vegans decide that the exploitation of animals for sensory pleasure is wrong, regardless of what the product is, regardless of what the sense is, regardless of what the animal is, as long as it's, as long as it's capable of experiencing cruelty, we do not have the right to inflict that cruelty upon them. I, I would argue that vegetarianism's, uh, vegetarianism, ethical vegetarianism, literally has no distinction except for the disagreement of the nature of exploitation. Like literally, that you could follow the same philosophy and say you're an ethical vegetarian, a philosophy, a way of living that seeks to include, as far as practical possible, all forms of exploitation. Like just stop. Sure. Yeah, but you then, could call yourself but, uh, you could call yourself a vegetarian and say that I'm a vegetarian because no I'm a, because I'm against the exploitation of animals and I don't think that you know um, forcibly impregnating a cow and, and and milking them is is exploitation. It's like okay, right? Your problem there isn't the moral principle. Your problem is the definition of exploitation, right? In the same way that your problem, um, Sterling, is not with veganism but with the 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 moral characterization of particular animals, which is irrelevant to the point. What I'm trying to get you to agree with. What I'm trying to get you to agree with is the proposition that if an animal is, ex is capable of experiencing cruelty, we do not have the right to inflict cruelty upon them for no good reason. Well, and I, I say that that's just, that's just not what veganism is. I, I could say I'm, a, I'm an ethical pescatarian and a, a philosophy of way of living, which seeks to include uh, as far, basically, I could, that's all I have to say. And I'm saying, well, no, I'm an ethical pescatarian, and then the debate is at a stop because we disagree about that nature of things. I mean, we have that, and then we have the other two premises that we haven't really touched too much. I mean, we touched the second one a little bit, but the, the veganism is completely arbitrary, and thus it can't be a, a moral obligation. Well, I mean, tell me how this is. I don't, I don't think it gets any less arbitrary than this, right? right. It just it's, okay. it's, it's a basic principle, right? If, if you value an animal less, fine. If you value an animal more, fine. And you, and you say things, you, you said earlier, um, you know, you could be this kind of vegan, or you could be that kind of vegan. You could be. It's like, yeah, there are multiple ways to do something to do the right thing, right? If we were arguing about whether whether or not God existed, and I said, yeah, but you could be a Christian, or you could be a Muslim, or you could be, you know, you could be a, 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 a deistic Buddhist or something. It's like, yeah, okay, but like, so what? That doesn't that doesn't in any way affect the proposition of whether or not God exists. And in the same okay, way, so, yeah, there are many ways of being vegan, but that doesn't in any way affect. But the there's no way that, that it's wrong okay. to exploit animals. Okay, then you misunderstood my point. 
there's no way to draw the line at veganism because there are ways of life which go beyond veganism like that that seem to reduce suffering more and so the question is why say that veganism is the the definition where the moral baseline is like in order to do this you have to be a good person you have to have this moral obligation why is that the minimum amount like we well, said for yeah but you said for example um somebody could be you know a vegan who eats backyard hens who, who eats backyard like eggs. chicken eggs or something yeah. yeah it's like no right let's let's walk through this one okay you so sure. let, let's try and set up a situation where you're a vegan who is trying to trying to stop the suffering exploitation of animals um and but you think it's permissible to eat backyard eggs okay where'd you get the hens from right so you purchase them from somewhere i get it okay yeah you right purchase so, them so that's that that's a problem in itself. They're still being grown in battery farms and someone's still making money off the back of the suffering of those animals. Secondly, how many... Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, time out. So if you did take that away from them, right, you're reducing the suffering of that individual chicken because it doesn't have to live. One, it doesn't have the possibility of going to someone else who would abuse it. So it seems like that would reduce more suffering. Two, you're taking it out of the condition in which it is clearly suffering. Yes. Um, So so you're taking it out of the situation. It's similar to rescuing almost in that case. Or what about a rescued? What if you rescue the hen? How about that? Let's make it it a rescued hen rather than a a purchased hen, for example. Thank you for preempting my exact argument. Um, (laughs) Sorry. Because of course, if you are if you're taking an animal for its own sake, then of course, like you still probably you still shouldn't be buying it, right? If you're if you're handing over money to somebody who's growing uh, hens in a in a in a battery in a battery farm it, it, it makes nonsense of the concept of economic supply and demand to say that by buying that product you're somehow eliminating the suffering or minimizing the suffering no you're contributing to a demand they're going to go and get more chickens they're going to go and breed more chickens but the only way that it would be ethical to do so is to save them okay so you save them from that situation and how many eggs? eggs how many how many eggs how many eggs are they laying i don't know i i don't know I'm, how many I'm, because i'm sure you're aware i'm sure Two. I'm sure. I'm sure you're aware. So two a week. So um, 104x, which you know might might be about right. You know, because um, these these hens are genetically engineered um, because of the way that they've been grown, such that they'll grow su- such that they lay eggs more um, more than they would do in in the wild. In the wild, chickens would lay maybe about 12 eggs every year, right? And you've got a, you've got a you've got a chicken here laying 104 eggs per year. Now, what kind of problems does that bring about? Firstly, having a having a um having an egg is like having a period for a chicken right so it's not a comfortable experience second thing is a lot of chickens experience osteoporosis um because the calcium that's needed for their bone structure is redirected to the eggs so common practice across sanctuaries and what you should be doing if you've rescued a chicken and it's laying this many eggs you should be feeding the eggs back to the chicken right that's the standard practice in other words if you save the chicken but you're not doing it for its own sake you're doing it so that you can eat its eggs. You're still contributing to the suffering of that chicken, and you shouldn't be breeding that chicken because it because it is eating so many because it's laying so many eggs that it's living a very uncomfortable experience. You can do your best to mitigate that by not eating its eggs, by feeding its eggs back to it, and not breeding it. Right. So the best you would have on your plate, the very best, would be you save a chicken. Right. You save a chicken. You don't eat its eggs, and then you don't breed it. Right. Mm-hmm. That. That to me is that that is that is what sanctuaries do, right? We're no longer talking about the consumption of animal products. We're no longer talking about kind of your next door neighbor going and getting some eggs, right, to make an omelet. We're talking about a sanctuary. We're talking about the saving of animals for their own sake and the the elimination of their suffering, right? 
So it's it's not as arbitrary as you think. In other words, if you say, well, oh, you know, well, I'm going to be mean, I'm going to be a vegan and the... I'm going to have a backyard hen, it's like that backyard hen is still suffering, and you're still responsible what for makes, its suffering. What makes that so much more morally relevant? I mean, like it seems like the amount of reduction of suffering you're doing by not eating, like any animal products besides those eggs would surely outweigh any suffering you're doing to the chicken, especially if you don't eat all of its eggs. Let's say that you, let's say that you just yeah. eat half of its eggs. So it seems like it's just arbitrary on where you decide to draw the leg. So like, well, even, I mean, come and, you on, did, like... and what's like, you went on one side, right. For eating the, for gathering the eggs for food. Right. Yeah. What about on the other side for freeganism, for example, or like barcading all animal based products and companies that, profited any way from animal use and as far as, per, as far as practical as far as you can find out whether they whether they do that why isn't that required it would reduce more suffering or being a locavore vegan for example you purchase only foodstuffs from your immediate area where it doesn't have to be traveled you know thousands of miles possibly killing bugs possibly killing uh, rodents for example um and Yeah. Sure. There were two. There were two questions there, and I'm I'm afraid I've forgotten the first one. You'll have to run it by me again. Um. So well, I think it was just one question. It's just that, do you, why you know why isn't it morally required to go you know to to the next level of reducing suffering, right? Like so, it seems like you there's other principles that are not veganism, or at least not what I would define as veganism, that. Um, that go above and beyond, like freeganism or something like, you know, boycotting all animal-based products. And no matter what, like not, sorry, not animal-based products, but like all products and companies that profit in any way from animal use. It seems like you're drawing the line at veganism for an arbitrary reason. Okay, there were two questions and I remembered oh, okay. the first one. It wasn't a question though, that's why, that's, why I, um, that's why I was wrong to phrase it as such. You said, surely it would be better, I mean, you know, to... Because if you're eating hens from a backyard farm, that's that's far better than, oh. than the suffering that would be included in, a, in in factory farming. It'd be better to get eggs from there than to get eggs. From, it's like, yeah, sure. There there are better and worse ways to do an immoral thing, right? Like it would be better for me to mug a homeless person than to mug and stab them, right? But neither are morally permissible. I could say, yeah, but if I if I just mug them and push them away, think about how much suffering I'm saving by not stabbing them. It's like these are both things that you are doing by choice that you don't have to do. So you don't get to say something like, but look how much suffering that I'm saving, look how much good I'm doing by, you know, limiting the amount that I'm exploit exploiting animals when I don't have to. It's like everything that you do towards the exploitation of animals unnecessarily and inflicting cruelty upon them. Everything you do is is a bonus immorality, right? You don't, so you don't get to kind of reduce that to half, still be committing an immorality and kind of rest on the laurels on the fact that you've reduced yourself. So a reducitarian, as you say, would still be in, in, a, in a moral gutter to say, well, look, I've made some progress. It's like, well, good. Well, you better keep going so that you can meet your moral obligation, right? You don't get to kind of sit back and rest on that. But also on your point on... Um, on I mean, it seems like you've misunderstood the, the the concept of a boycott when it comes to something like animal products, right? Um, what would this involve, right? So I'm I'm no longer going to go and shop at at, at Waterstones bookshop um, to buy my to buy my books. 
because they have a cafe that serves milk in its coffee, right? Because I need to boycott any industry that relies on animal exploitation. I'm going to drop out of university because we just opened a new library that uses leather seating, right? This would be absurd. Not only would it be absurd, now that might be your point. It might be to say, see, it would be absurd to try and eliminate the suffering to the highest extent. No, the reason it's absurd is because it's self-contradictory, right? It's actually not in my best interest. If we've got a company that is exploiting animals, but also has products that are not exploiting animals. Not only do we have a moral permissibility to shop at that place, let's say, for instance, um, the KFC burger or something that they just brought out, the vegan burger. I don't know if they've done that in the States, but they've got it here. And a lot of people say, no, we need to, we need to boycott products. We need to boycott companies that rely on animal exploitation. It's like, you've got a company here that is exploiting animals and has a product where it's not exploiting animals, right? And if, if we show that we are contributing to a demand for products that don't exploit animals, especially when a lot of the people buying that product are people who are on the fence and who, who would have still gone into KFC, may well have bought a chicken burger, but now think they'll try the vegan burger. You're signaling to that company that the world is changing and that they should be doing more to accommodate veganism, right? So not only is it like, well, I think it's permissible to, to shop at a, a company that, um, that uses abuses animals in, in some areas of its of its product. It's like you have an obligation to do so, right? If, if you want to be a, an, an activist in a sense, because by doing so, you are signaling that the world is changing and you're actually contributing to the spread of veganism and, and the normalization of veganism too. So if you say like, this is arbitrary because you could be a reducitarian, you could be someone who boycotts industries of animal exploitation altogether. It's like, no, the, the only reason that seems arbitrary is because we're misunderstanding what it means to be vegan, because a reducitarian is not a vegan, because somebody who is boycotting all of these industries, yeah, sure, I mean, they're a vegan, but they're not committed to that by veganism, right? It, it, again, we just seem to be misunderstanding that this is the most basic principle, is one of the most basic ethical principles in the world to say that if we can avoid cruelty and exploitation to animals, we should avoid it, right? And whichever way you want to do that, that's fine. But but these other areas, these these other areas that you're using to kind of imply that there's some arbitrariness to this to, to this about like um, reducitarians or backyard hens or boycotting that they, they are to miss the point. Okay, so I'm again. So I'm gonna disagree. Obviously, this seems like the kind of again. So if we agree that boycotting all companies that profit in any way from animal use would reduce suffering because you're just you're disrupting their profits it seems like you do reduce harm by a lot and let's say that you don't do it with companies that have like vegan options for example um that have like that have or let me rephrase it this way have exclusively vegan options only incidentally vegan options like they're vegan just because incidentally they're vegan they have some products that don't have animal products by incident it doesn't seem like you have justification for shopping at them at all um secondly it seems like you kind of dropped the point on freeganism, for example. It seems like freeganism completely would be just straightforwardly a more morally uh, would reduce more suffering. And I don't think that it's entailed by ethical veganism. I think that it goes above and beyond ethical veganism. And I don't see where why we're not required to do freeganism if we're required to do veganism. It well, seems then, like well, it just straightforwardly. Uh, it just seems like it straightforwardly follows from those premises. And similarly with the locobar vegan, I think that if we're required to do veganism, we're required to get our animal products, or not our animal products, our products from places that are closer because it would reduce the suffering, in fact, of sentient creatures. And so my argument essentially is that when you say that that veganism is the moral baseline, then nothing else, then nothing else 
prevents enough suffering to be a moral obligation. It's just arbitrary that you pick that that's the point where we have to stop, that that's the point where we have the moral baseline. And, and any more reducing suffering is not, you know, is not sufficient, or any less would, would, any less would be not sufficient, and any more would be uh, super negatory. And I, I don't think you, we've really, we haven't really touched it in a while. Yeah, but, but we still let's... haven't addressed what, what would make an action above and beyond the call of duty. Is there anything? Well, look, Sterling, would... I'll, I'll address your first point first, okay. um, which is, I mean, look at, look at what you just said. You said um, that I think something like freeganism is not entailed by ethical, or is not, is not kind of part of ethical veganism. It, it goes above and beyond it. It's like, okay, sure, but that makes it a different issue. We're discussing ethical veganism and whether that's an obligation. To say something like, but then surely you have an obligation to go further and accept this other moral proposition. Like, okay, fine. We can discuss that if you like, like that may be true. You may say something like if you're a vegan on the, on the principle that you, that you're not in favor of um, cruelty uh, towards people who can, or, or uh, individuals and people who can suffer that you shouldn't be a racist. And imagine I was arguing with someone who was a vegan, but also a racist. And I said, but hold on, your, your logic should stop you from being a racist. It's like, okay, yeah, pro probably right. Actually. Yeah, true. Great. We'll have that discussion. But that in no way has anything to do with the conversation about veganism. It seems like in a, it, what you're almost doing is agreeing implicitly by saying something like, but what about these arbitrary notions like freeganism, which go above and beyond veganism? It's kind of like you saying, well, okay, I get the veganism thing. Yeah, sure. Veganism, ethical veganism at the base level is a moral obligation. But what about these other things? Are they moral obligations? Well, I, I don't know. But like, as you, as I, you but I've never conceded yourself, that. As you point out yourself, they are separate issues, right? We're not I talking about freeganism. Okay. We're not talking I'm, about body costs. I'm asking you what principle. Vegan. No, no. I'm asking you what principle would allow you get, to get to veganism that doesn't get you to freeganism, that doesn't get you to locavore, uh, freeganism, uh, vegetarianism. You see what I'm saying? I'm saying that there is, any principle that you're going to apply for an argument for veganism is going to extend to further beyond veganism, so that even yes. so that, and I don't think that. And, I, and so, for example, those things are not the same thing. So in order to be – so if you're an ethically a, a freegan or an ethically locavore vegetarian or ethically locavore vegan, those things are further – they reduce more suffering so mm -hmm. that they're not the same thing as veganism. And if that's okay. the moral baseline, like why is that not the moral baseline? Why is the moral baseline here? Rather, Or even – that's why I directed it both ways. I think that it would be absurd to claim that a Jainist monk, for example – is is causing more suffering than than a vegan, and I think that even though they still drink milk, even though they would drink milk, um, I still I don't see why this is the baseline. I don't I don't I haven't heard an argument for why there is an obligation specifically to just veganism and and nothing less and nothing more. I mean, I like I don't... like why does no argument that go that makes veganism <laughs> nobody true? is nobody's saying that nobody is saying that veganism is an obligation nothing more nothing less I'm saying that veganism is a moral obligation among many that we have right it's it's as simple as that to say something like well your logic seems to lead you to other moral propositions okay fine what 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 on earth has that got to do with whether or not ethical veganism is a moral obligation. I, because I gave you examples both ways. I gave you examples toward less than veganism, and I gave you examples toward more than veganism. I'm trying and I to figure you why, out what and, I, and I explained. And what, I explained why, 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 why would the Jainist that, example, for example, like, I, why I explained would, why I explained why the ones that you said were less than vegan, such as reducitarians and um, and and the like, are not in fact like are not meeting the moral baseline, and that 
if there is a moral baseline that exists beyond ethical veganism, then we're no longer talking about ethical veganism. It's really that simple. Well, then it wouldn't be justified. What would be justified would be ethical freeganism. Sure, it wouldn't be like that. But I don't, but you didn't, you only addressed one of my examples, which was the background head. But I mean, we could talk about Janus vegetarianism, for example. Fine, what do you want to know about it? Well, I think Janus vegetarianism reduces more suffering than veganism. Okay, how so? Because they only eat food that's donated to them. And I think right. that, and I think that that reduces more, but they still drink milk. So it definitely wouldn't come as a, it definitely wouldn't be. A, you know, when you say when you say food that's donated to them, mm-hmm. but were purchased by other people, like the donated to them, right? Well, well then, well then, it, it it makes no difference, right? You're not in control. Like the, the 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 food that's being donated to them could have come from an immoral source. From an and they still and and they probably oh, still like- have them. And they'd have a moral obligation not to accept it in the same way that if somebody came up and presented them the flesh of a murdered baby, right? They'd probably reject it on a moral grounds, right? They can't just say, well, you know, I didn't buy the food myself. I'm being donated to it. Also, the point is this, like, I don't think that that does reduce suffering for those reasons. But even if it did, even if actually, yeah, no, this does reduce suffering. This is, this is a, this does cause less suffering to animals. It's like, what is veganism? Veganism is, as we, oh. as we've said so many times, the so you could, so you could drink milk and be a extent, vegan still. The highest extent, yes, of course you could. In the same way that if you're on a <laughs> desert island, if you're on, what, what's the problem? I, 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 the, the fact that you're laughing shows that you've misunderstood what veganism is. If you're on a no. desert island, if you're on a desert island and you're in a position of necessity to eat an animal product to survive, you can eat that animal product, right? So you could turn around and say, what? So you could, you can be a vegan and eat a pig? It's like, yes, because it's not about eating an animal product. It's about causing unnecessary suffering and cruelty to an animal. I think that it is silly to say that a vegan could be ethically required in a non-necessity situation, could say that they were a vegan and still eat various animal products. Well, like then you for, misunderstood, you so misunderstood would, what veganism is. Go ahead, James. Well, how about, how about I'll, I'll respond to this point. I'll allow Sterling to respond and then we can go to Q and A. How about that? Um, so look, it seems that, that every single time we just come back to the, to the problem that in order to justify not being a vegan, you are, you, you give an example of an action, which would in fact, just like not be a vegan action or, or would still be a vegan action. In other words, you say like, see, it's not a moral obligation to be a vegan because you could do this, right? You have a, you have moral permissibility to do this. And every single time you're naming something that is still a vegan action, right? If you say something like, it just seems ridiculous to me that you could be a vegan in a situation of non-necessity and still eat various animal products, then you misunderstand what veganism is, right? If a vegan eats some roadkill that they find on the side of the road, right? They haven't caused any suffering of animals. Now, I would still argue that they shouldn't eat the roadkill because I'd rather them leave it for wild animals to consume to reduce their suffering which is a whole nother um, ball game, which we won't have time to talk about now, but believe me, we can. Um, But let's say, you know, all other things being equal, if it's in a particular area or something where if it's already decaying or whatever it may be, right? It seems to me absolutely absurd. It seems more absurd than it seems to you uh, for for a kind of, for a vegan to say, I have a moral principle that says that I'm not going to exploit or inflict cruelty upon an animal and so I'm not going to eat roadkill. And so if a cow is walking through a field and it kind of 
spills some milk that happens to fall into a jug, right? I'm not allowed to drink that because that's an animal product. It's like, are, are we being serious here? We're talking about a moral proposition. We're not talking about animal products bad. We're not talking about don't drink milk. We're saying don't exploit an animal. Don't inflict cruelty upon an animal. It's as simple as that, right? That's got nothing to do uh, or is a separate issue from just the consumption of the products that result, right? If you have a product that's obtained in an ethical way, then you can do whatever you like with it. That's the nature of ethics is to say that if it's ethical, it's therefore permissible. What I'm saying is that if you're exploiting an animal for food, for clothing, for entertainment, that you have a moral obligation to avoid doing so. And that if an animal product comes about, right, through no suffering, for instance, uh, and you can perhaps respond to this in a, in a second, do you think it would be equally absurd? Because you said, uh, I'm, I'm using your phrasing here, you said it seems absurd to you that, um, that a vegan in a non-necessity situation could have an animal product. Do you think it's absurd for a vegan to be walking through a field to see a cow having spilt some milk that happens to have fallen into a jug, do you think it is absurd for that vegan to think it permissible to drink that milk and still call themselves a vegan, right? If you don't, then you'll be agreeing with the argument I made a moment ago. And if you do, then I think you've just shown that you have completely misunderstood what veganism is and think it's about animal products rather than being about the animals. Thank you very much for that, Alex. And we will jump over to Sterling for a I, for, I forgot that we actually had Cosmic Skeptic started. And so Sterling will give you a very brief like last word. So this will oh, be like roughly the same amount of time as uh, you just heard from Cosmic Skeptic. If you can keep it short and pithy because we've got a lot of good questions. Yes, sir. So, okay. So just to address his, his, his question to me first. I don't think that it's absurd that the vegan would be able to have the milk that fell on the, fell on the ground or fell in the jug. I think that it would be absurd for a vegan to, to say for example, buy animal products, uh, let's say fish for an example, and just say, well, I'm a vegan, except for I don't think that fish have any moral protection. Um, I just don't think that that's a definition of veganism that anybody really practically lives. I don't think that anybody really believes that's veganism. I think he's trying to change the definition because he doesn't want to debate on whether uh, certain animals are worthy of equivalent moral protection with my second contention. I think that he doesn't, uh, I think he doesn't understand that any type, he doesn't, he definitely didn't address my argument about what would constitute a moral derogatory act, what would constitute something that goes above and beyond the call of duty. Um, I think that he doesn't understand that any position, like he essentially reduces down vegan, ethical veganism to, um, to negative utilitarianism, which if it is the case, then we're arguing about a completely different thing. Like we can talk about like the actual, whether, whether a negative utilitarianism is valid. I mean, I had plenty of objections to negative utilitarianism. What I'm doing is I'm granting him negative utilitarianism and I'm giving him problems for negative utilitarianism following what a standard person would think is a vegan diet. And I think that fits that, I think that would fit this definition, especially when you know, just it says in dietary terms, it denotes the practice of dispensing with all products wholly or partly derived from animals. I don't see how you can get around that. Um, so yeah, I'd like to thank everyone for coming and I hope that we had a good debate and thank you. Thanks so much, gentlemen. It has been a pleasure. This is, as I said, the first veganism debate. It's been a really fun time, and I think that people have really enjoyed it. In fact, we'll get right to the uh, super chats. Unskivel, uncivil skeptic, thanks for your super chat, who had said, so glad there are vegans now being platformed here. I agree. This is long overdue. So this is a topic that we should have had a long time ago, but we're excited to have it today. And so I appreciate that. Scott Lott, thanks for your super chat, who said, Alex, if humans were carnivore, would that affect your opinion on veganism? 
Uh, yes, it would. Uh, because, of course, the the whole vegan argument is about the elimination uh, of unnecessary suffering, unnecessary to survival, of, of practicable. I mean, the word practicable is there in the definition. Um, we're not obligate carnivores. That's the reason why, because we have, we, I mean, we're omnivores, which definitionally means we have the ability to eat either animal products or plants, right? And because we have that capacity, because we're able to make that choice, it allows us to have uh, to make the moral decision of, of doing so, right? If you're in a situation of necessity, as I think Sterling and I both agreed, like the desert island situation, um, a vegan could eat that pig. Um, and the same situation, that would just be the situation across the board if we needed to eat animal products to survive. Gotcha. Thanks so much. Next up, Mind Melt. Thanks for your super chat who said, if you ethically source meat products, is that more moral than unethically sourcing plant product? For, I think they mean, for example, monocropping, which I'm new to that. Uh, if you happen to have the definition of that for us uh, who are new. Well, of course, it, it's about, um, well, no, I, I wouldn't be able to give you a definition of monocropping. Um, but I understand the thrust of the point, which is to say uh, that there are kind of sometimes seemingly competing moral obligations. For example, you know, I don't know, avocado farming is, is destroying the environment. And so would it be better to buy um so-called ethically sourced milk than to buy an avocado let's say something like that right mm. it's an interesting question um the answer of course is whichever causes the least suffering right the reason why we care about unethically sourced plant-based products is by and large because of the effect that they have on the environment or because of the effect that they have on the, the way that they're um collected by by human beings right for instance there might be people who are in human slavery who are producing them or some, something like this right in other words, in, in either case, we're still talking about the suffering of people, the suffering of animals, and we're still just asking, asking a question about what's going to minimize, uh, what's going to minimize that suffering. I'd also bear in mind that the majority of plants that we're growing are being fed to livestock because it takes more plants to feed livestock than it does to take human beings. So, of course, if you're worried about, um, you know, the purchasing of plants, then you should be worried more about the purchasing of plants that are being fed to livestock because that's, that's happening on a larger scale um, than the than the uh, plants that we're eating for ourselves and also if you consider the plants that are being eaten by livestock you have the double whammy of firstly uh you know having to pull up the plants and potentially destroy the environment and then having to cause suffering to the animals um the other thing that i take contention with is the idea that we've got such a thing as like ethically sourced milk or something right because uh, in order to get milk you need to forcibly impregnate a cow you need to put a fist inside its anus you need to grab its cervix through the lining of the anus you need to inject it with bull semen unless you're just kind of sitting around waiting for it to be impregnated which i don't think is economically viable under any under any estimation um so i think the whole question is, is kind of based on a on a on a not a false premise um well it is based on a false premise if we think that they're is is such thing that is economically viable to support the the human population as like ethically sourced animal products um but also like yeah it, it's just a, it's still just a question about the minimization of suffering you bet thanks so much and mind melt uh, let me know if i've misunderstood this question who had said so shouldn't the argument be ethical sources are more moral than unethical or immoral yes well, of course they are I mean, that, that goes that goes without saying. And this is something Sterling was saying earlier. It's like, well, you know, it seem, seems like it'd be more moral to be a, a reducitarian than to be a, a meat eater. Yes. As I said in response, it's also more moral to mug someone than to mug and stab them. But if you can do neither of these things, then you should do neither. Gotcha. Um, Let's see. If I could just briefly. You um, bet. Okay. 
um, again, but the issue comes down to obligation, right? I think that that's the major issue here. Like, where is the line? Gotcha. Thank you very much. And Mind Melt, thanks for your super chat, who said, Alex's whole argument is based on an emotional argument, ignoring the damage done by vegan agriculture. Would love to switch you over switch you over uh, to my arguments, Alex. So it sounds like is there a, a vegan a critic of you, though, Alex? Ha. Um, of course, we don't ignore the impact of vegan agriculture, but I'm not entirely sure what you're talking about, right? You might be talking about, uh, for instance, I mentioned something like avocados, um, then don't eat avocados, right? You d you're not committed to certain foods. Also, people have, a, people have a complete misunderstanding about the environmental impact of veganism. One of the biggest I hear is something like soy production. Vegans are eating a lot of soy. And soy production is destroying the rainforest. Not true, right? Well, I mean, it, that is true, but it's not because of vegans. 85% of the soy that we grow is being fed, guess where? to livestock. And not only that, but the soy that we're growing to feed to livestock is being grown in South America and destroying the environment, 50% of which is given to poultry, which means it's not just red meat, but also white meat that's causing the damage, right? Um, the soy that vegans are eating directly, the soy that's grown for human consumption, is grown in other places like Europe and North America. People completely misunderstand the fact that because they you kind of you can read an article that says, look, um, these vegans are destroying the environment because all of the plants they're growing are really bad. It's like, we, we don't even come close in terms of the number of plants that we're growing and the amount of environmental damage we're doing to even the amount that's being done by just growing the plants to feed to livestock, let alone the suffering of the livestock itself and the emissions of the livestock itself. So to say that veganism is the the environmental kind of um, monster here is, is, is to be looking completely the wrong direction. Um, of course, there will always be emissions. Of course, we'll always be destroying habitats and using pesticides and things like this. Um, but we're about minimizing suffering. No one wants to eliminate suffering. That's not possible. We're trying to minimize suffering and eliminate cruelty. And even if you worry about plant production, even if plant production was inherently bad for the environment, which arguably it may be, the way to reduce that is still to eat the plants directly. We're already growing enough crops to feed the world population three times over. And we're growing it in the poorest areas of the world too. And we're taking those crops we're bringing them to the West, we're feeding them to livestock, and then we're eating the steak, right? This this is to completely get everything the wrong way around. Gotcha. Thanks so much. And then Michael McCaffrey, thanks for your super chat, who asks, Alex, how do pets fit into all this, ethically speaking? Yeah, I mean, the same way any other animal does. Um, it's, it's about minimization to the highest extent practicable of animal suffering. So... Um, I know that, for instance, dogs can live on a healthy vegan diet. I know that cats probably can't, right? Because cats are obligate carnivores. This is kind of what we were discussing a moment ago. Somebody asked, if humans were obligate carnivores, would that change my position? It's like, yes, because if you need to eat that food, then you need to eat that food. Like you don't, you, you don't have a choice really in the matter if you, in, in order to survive. Um, I think that uh, there, there's a strong vegan argument to be made that we shouldn't be breeding carnivorous pets um, for kind of our own purposes because we like pets. That's probably a bad thing to do. So perhaps we can still continue to breed dogs, but maybe we shouldn't be breeding cats. Some people believe that anyway without needing the vegan argument. Um, I think that if that holds, maybe that holds. Um, but again, we're just talking about a minimization of suffering, right? In, in many instances, I won't know the practical answers to a question. It's kind of like people could throw an example. They say, well, what about like this particular cat in this particular situation with this particular food or something? It's like, well, I might not know the practical answers because I don't know exactly what goes into cat food all the time. Um, however, 
what I do know is that the answer does exist and it's whatever causes the least suffering, even if I don't know what that answer is. The other thing to note briefly is that if we live in a situation right now where we're worried about kind of buying uh, cat food because of the suffering that it causes to other animals, it's like, yeah, that's a problem that vegans want to fix too, but we're not going to be taken seriously trying to fix that problem if we haven't fixed the problem of human consumption too. If there are still people in the world trying to defend the proposition that it is okay to exploit, torture, or inflict cruelty upon an animal in order to, for our taste pleasure, then for us to go and argue that we should be kind of worrying about the suffering going into cat food, we'd be laughed out of the room. It's the same reason we can't really argue about something like medical testing, because until we normalize the consideration of animals, no one's going to take it seriously in other areas. So I'd say that pets do need to be taken into consideration, still want to minimize suffering. But if you find yourself in a situation where you are committed to still causing suffering for the sake of your pets, that is, that is a, a problem related to the fact that we haven't agreed that humans should stop doing it first. Gotcha. Um, just, so just as a brief add-on, I just had a question. Just quick, quick question. Super, super Any important, Pivy. Okay. Any type of purchasing of animals seems like it would be wrong under, vegan, under the vegan principle, correct? Like purchasing, not rescuing. Oh yes, no, we're not we're not in favor okay. of purchasing pets. Yeah, don't, okay. don't buy pets. Okay. Gotcha. Thanks so much. Next up, appreciate your super chat from Donald Anderson. Uh this one confuses me. They I wasn't sure what they meant. Sir they said Sirtle. With respect <laughs> to NTT, what are your traits? Okay, so I, I did name of the trait. Yeah, exactly. And I did uh, give like four good traits, I think. Um, intentionality, capacity, moral reasoning, capacity for moral reasoning, rationality, and kinship. Um, I think those four are, are pretty good. And I think that the argument does rely on a misunderstanding of essential and accidental properties. So that's my response. It's also worth bearing also, in mind. I, I wish we could have gotten into Rawls' um, feel of ignorance. I wish we could have talked about that. Oh boy, oh, well. yes, me too. That would have been I mean, fun. Rules definitely should have been a vegan. Um, it's also <laughs> worth just pointing out that the, the thrust of the name, the trade argument, I know that you have um, quarrels with this, Sterling, but for the for the sake of the audience um the thing is if you say this is the argument if you say that here are the traits which separate us from other animals such that we can kill other animals you are saying that if a human being lacked those traits you'd be okay with treating the human being as you treat the animal now sterling thinks that if you lack those traits you're no longer a human being i would say that if you're a human being who no longer has those capacities um that sterling identifies and yet are still alive and still capable of feeling pain, I still don't have the right to put you in a gas chamber for the taste of your flesh. Sterling thinks that you do. That that seems to be the, the decision that you need to make as a listener. Next up, we do have a Mind Melt. Thanks for your super chat, who was correcting, I think they, maybe they were correcting me in how I read their super chat. They said, LOL, that's not ethically sourced animal products. I'm not sure what the context of that was. If you guys do- That could be against anybody. Okay. Um, yes. I don't know. Okay, thanks so much. Nella Dower, thanks for your super chat, who said, if our goal is to minimize suffering, then should we allow livestock to go extinct once they're free, or are we obligated to keep them alive? I don't think we have a moral obligation to keep any species alive. Um, I certainly think that as the animal population exists at the moment, a lot of people say, ah, if you stop, um, if you stop factory farming cows, then they're going to go extinct. It's like, yeah, I'd rather be dead than be a cow on a factory farm. I can assure you of that. Um, but these animals aren't going to go extinct. They survived in the wild for many, many years before we started factory farming them. Um, it's not like we're going to release them all immediately. That's not how this works. I saw someone earlier before we started saying, what happens to all the animals if, if vegans get what they want? Do we just release them into the wild? It's like, no, this is a gradual process. Of course it is. We just stop breeding them, right? So in other words, we don't breed these animals into existence for the sake of their suffering and our sensory fulfillment. Um, 
they probably won't go extinct just because we've stopped specifically breeding them. Um, but if they do, then then they do. Lots of animals go extinct. It's a thing that happens. Um, what we should be worried about is the suffering that we are being a, a cause of, not extinctions which aren't intrinsically bad, which we're failing to prevent, uh, failing to prevent rather than causing. I think gotcha. that if you if we have a moral obligation to these animals, then we have a moral obligation toward their flourishing. So like we can't just release them all or we can't like let them go extinct. I think that we have that moral obligation if we do have the, the ethical thrust. Yeah, we, we have a moral obligation towards the individuals. We don't have an obligation towards a species because the species the, the species doesn't matter. What what matters is the individual. So as long as an individual is alive, we should be not torturing it, um, which I would have hoped we could have agreed on by now. Um, but if like you're talking, but, but like, we also don't need to breed that creature. We, we can say, I can say I have an obligation. If there's a, if I, if I kind of, I'm looking after a pig, I have an obligation not to slit its throat or to gas it to death, but that doesn't mean I have an obligation to force it to mate and to bring up its children, right? If it dies and the species and the, and the line goes extinct, like fair enough, I haven't caused any suffering. Like, cause sure. that, that's what matters. Sure. I'm you saying the individuals we would still have an obligation to. But yeah, okay. Yes, yeah, so the individuals we absolutely would, but that's got nothing to say about the species going extinct. Thanks so much. We have time for maybe one or two more questions. We'll go to the standard questions and then uh, definitely just to kind of uh, respect the time of the debaters, we will wrap up. So I want to say sorry, folks. We won't get to every question, but we're going to try to get through, like I said, a quick two more. Opposer of religion, uh, thanks for your question. They said, James, uh, can we have more vegans on? I want to hear more, and this has moved me closer to veganism. Yes, we definitely can. Uh, the, consider the doors open. So this is long overdue, I agree. And so if you are a vegan and you like debating, or if you're in opposition and you want to argue the opposite, we welcome the topic and we welcome invites. I'm at Modern Day Debate at Gmail and Facebook and Twitter. So thanks so much. Larry Let's appreciate your question. Last one, they said, for Cosmic, what about the trillions of insects that will be killed protecting the crops we would need? Uh, as I've already said, um, the majority of crops that we're growing are being fed to livestock. So if you want to reduce the amount of insects. And thank you, by the way, for implicitly agreeing with the proposition that we should be reducing their suffering. That's very um, charitable of you. Um, and if you wish to do so, then you should stop eating livestock because they're being fed the crops for which the insects are being killed. If you want to reduce those insects being killed, eat the crops directly, um, less of them are killed. And also if the crops are being grown by vegan companies, they're going to be more likely to take into consideration the suffering of animals in the growing of their crops. So. Excellent point. I completely agree with you. Let's uh, let's care about these insects and let's go vegan. We appreciate it, folks. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for our guests as the debaters are the lifeblood of the channel. They're what make it fun. And so we want to say a huge thanks to Cosmic Skeptic and Sterling. I have linked them in the description, folks. So if you're listening and you're like, hmm, I want to hear more. Well, you can hear more. So go click those links in the description. And so thanks again, though, Cosmic Skeptic and Sterling for being with us today. Thank you for having thanks me. For having me. You betcha. So with that, thanks so much for being in attendance, folks. Thanks for all your questions. It's been a lot of fun. We will be, that's right, if you hadn't noticed on the bottom right of your screen, this, just tonight, Intelligent Design will be on trial as Erica Matthews returns as she will be taking on G-Man. So that should be a lot of fun. So thanks, everybody. Keep setting out the reasonable from the unreasonable. Take care. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.